All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Chris Gardner. Welcome to another edition of the Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. Join me right now, as you see on the screen there, is my man Willie Gibson in Ohio for a little Big Ten flavor and some Cleveland Cavaliers discussion. Let's get right into that real quick, because I saw today the Cavs signed uh, Tim Frazier to a 10-day contract, and Tim Frazier's from H-Town. Went to, uh, went to uh, Strake Jesuit High School, I believe. So, Willie, say something. Because you're muted. That's weird because your mic is your mic is on, but yeah. Chop out and come back in and in the see because I just, that's very strange. I don't, no, no, no difference whatsoever. So yeah, that's we'll figure, like a hey, live stream stuff. I've learned this business. You just adjust on the fly. And one of the clips that I'm going to play uh, from the U8 system or regions meeting. Audio is kind of robotic in the background. I tried to fix it. Was unsuccessful. But uh, just do it going with the flow. But yeah, Willie Gibson to join in. I'm going to talk real quick when he, before he joins in and waiting for Andy Yanez to also join on the show. I'm going to talk mostly U of H sports, U of H athletics, basketball, baseball, et cetera. Well, baseball team is playing right now in the cold and rain, playing TSU on U of H campus, going to last I saw. I think bottom of the eighth inning, UH was winning seven to two over Texas Southern. Kudos to them, man. And the baseball softball team is playing as well. It's 43 degrees last I saw during the broadcast watching on ESPN plus, which you can get via the links posted on HoustonRoundBarReview.com. By the way, hint, hint, that website affiliate I am part of ESPN plus and the family. Disney bundle also. Softball team players, both teams. Baseball players playing outside in the rain and the cold. 43 degrees, feels like 35, and now it's raining. That's why I love basketball, man. <laughs> basketball indoors is all for me. Mr. Gibson, how, how about now? Good. Hear me? You got me? Yes, sir. Got there we go. We're good. Yes, all right. But, yeah, this thing, UH baseball playing Texas Southern. Should be going to the ninth inning right about now. Mm-hmm. 7-2, UH leading. UH softball snapped a five-game losing streak. They started the season four and one, then went to four and six because they lost five straight. But this evening's afternoon slash evening, they beat Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado nine to six after trailing, I think, two zip early in the game. Had a five-run third inning or so and pulled out that victory nine six in that losing streak. So it's good. Bring in the youngster, Andy Yanez. Mr. Yanez, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Chris. How are y'all? Let me doing okay. So, yeah, make your adjustments. And, of course, talking talking some baseball, some softball, UH softball, all those sports, UH sports. This show is sponsored by Steve Saxinian and the Saxinian family. So much appreciation to them. The sponsorship will run through March. Uh, maybe April, basically college basketball season. So once that sponsorship ends, alums, fans, supporters, you got time and space for you to come support Folk Talking Sports as we go forward. And uh, Mr. Yanez, Mr. Gibson, you talk to you two off the air because we may have another opportunity uh, going forward on a different platform. Brother Gibson, yes, you sir. know about that potential. I think you've had that talk. Yes, I have. But I'm going to share with Mr. Yanez as well. So uh, content, content, content. We're going to ad- adapt and embrace, excuse me, embrace the streaming platform going forward. So just look for that. Stay tuned to it because, as you see, the show is streaming on YouTube, Facebook, and on our, got to do better at it, on our Folks Talk Sports Twitter account. I hope Mr. Yanez has ar- already retweeted it. I'm bad at doing that, but uh, follow the show right there, Folks Talk Sports, and let me do it as well, because, yes, I'm going to retweet it also, but you can follow us at that Folks Talk Sports Twitter account. That's how you get info about the show, and I tweeted out that I had two video clips from the UH, University of Houston System Board of Regents meeting that happened, what was it, Andy, Wednesday? 
this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week? No, I think it was yesterday. I think it was Thursday. Thursday. See, it's all run together. Now I'm like Coach Sampson now looking at what day is it, you know. <laughs> but it was about the uh, passing or approving, excuse me, approving the new construction of the football facility. And as I said, well, Willie, Willie had audio problems, sound problems. This first clip is going to be from Chris Pesman, UH Athletics Director. Audio quality is not great. Second clip is better, but just do what we can. Go with the flow. Andy, I don't know if you had a chance to see this. Uh, Mark Berman from Fox 26 Sports, was it now KRIV Sports, whatever it is, was the first person to report about the approval of the facility. But I was able to get in the video. The, the Board of Regents meeting is available on the Internet. OK, so it's there. Meeting was almost eight and a half hours for the Regents. OK, eight and a half hours starting in the morning, ended around 445 in the afternoon. Jeez. All I cared about, of course, was the stuff pertaining to us, nice. athletics and football. So I was able to find that and pull that down. So I'm going to play a clip from A.D. Chris Pesman. And right off the bat, first things first, this is video I pulled from the meeting. So the name you you see appearing, the type, the font, you'll notice a typo right off the bat. <laughs> Just real quick, notice a typo. That's not me. Just going to show you mistakes happen. We're all human. Just enjoy it. Just ride the flow. But during this clip, you'll see some renderings of the location and planning of the football building. The 10, uh, type, room types for the facility, 10 different categories to where the cost will, projected cost is $75 million. Okay. For this. So the plan is to start construction next year, 2023 and be completed, uh, the winter of 2024. So first up, AD Chris Pesman. It's about five minutes. So just check it out. And if you haven't heard it, check it out. Like I said, just go to Flow's audio. We're high tech. We'll do what we can. Don't, don't hate. <laughs> Location and programming and that's some conceptual readings that we've worked through as far as the football operations facility. Next slide, please. Um, so what you see here is the approximate square footage and through the programming aspects that we've gone through for this facility. Um, to be frank, we started this process about three years ago, um, uh, prior to the pandemic when we hired Coach Holderson. This was a project that had been considered previously um, and something that we wanted to refresh and make sure that we were uh, close to, you know, what is necessary in that facility, uh, wishes and wants, and trying to focus in on what was necessary and not, you know, extraordinary. So in this case, what you'll see is it's approximately 100 to 105,000 square feet of uh, space. And these are the allocations approximately, and these are the lows and medium averages to get us to where we are. Um, this facility would encompass dining facilities, locker room, player lounge, sports performance, sports medicine, equipment operations, meeting room, coaches' offices, and the back house, and then also the other, which is the column on the right, that includes lobbies, hallways, all the, the other spaces that go into the building that you can't truly account for. But in all, this project takes us to approximately a $75 million uh, project estimate for us to deliver this. Uh, next slide, please. So if you take that hundred to 105,000 square feet, this is where um, we've worked on as a potential site. Um, and really, truly what this is, the site's based off of is function. Uh, for us, is where is it most functional? I know we've had some conversations about areas that might be more visible, and those will be taken into consideration once we get an architect on board and we progress with the, with the project and make sure that we've explored every opportunity. But where will the current concept and the current ideas that would fit in the open end of the stadium, uh, as we look back towards downtown from the seating bowl, uh, there's an open area of the stadium that we'd fill that in. The front of that facing the stadium would be a premium opportunity for us for seating, uh, suite capacity that we have need for. We have immediate demand for that space. And then the area behind it would be the operations facility, the back house facility that would service the football team. It would fit between the stadium and the indoor practice facility. That's where you see it located there. Um, again, uh, I know our... 
<laughs> our board chair and our president of the committee. And so, um, as I was saying, uh, this is uh, an area that we considered as the most functional, but it's going to explore other options as we get the design team on board and figure out ways to make it more prominent. Um, next slide, please. Or these are renderings that we came up with. These are just concepts, but this is the um, the, the aspect or the presence of the facility in that space and how it fills it in. Next slide, please. So you can see, uh, basically, fits between the parking garage and the stadium, the IPF, and the, and the stadium itself, and it's that area that fills in what is now the, an open gap in that, basically, the top right-hand corner. Uh, next slide, please. And you can see the back of it. The back of it is you. That's the IPF on the left with the stadium, obviously, and then all that is new facility space. Um, Scott Street is at the bottom as you try and orientate yourself, um, and that's where that would fit with the approximate square footage and how much space that would have, uh, encompass. Is there parking on some of that area now, Chris? There is parking where it, it sits now. It's a tailgate location for us on game day. Um, the rest of the week, it's parking for campus, so there is some impact there. Um, but I think it's in the scheme of things, it's we can mitigate that impact. Next slide, please. And then that's that's a concept as you look at the bowl towards back into that area and, and a concept of how we would attack or uh, provide some additional premium uh, seating opportunities. And I think that's it. Next slide. I think that's it. So thank you. Thanks. And and uh, while we have a companion item in, in finance that we'll talk about. Uh, just as a, as a reference point, the project is start, slated to uh, start construction in the summer of next year and complete by the end of 2024. That completes this item. So any other questions? I know we're going to get in the Finance and Administration meeting more specifics on, on uh, that. Um, if not, may I hear a motion to approve this item as presented? Is there a second? All in favor? Aye. And anyone opposed? This item is hereby approved by the committee. So we're fancy. We're fancy like that, Mr. Gibson. But Andy, real quick from an alumni perspective, your thoughts on Chris Pesman saying there's already a demand for the for suites and there's already ready to mitigate the uh Parking spaces for tailgating that will be eliminated by the construction of this new football facility. Thoughts there? Already the, the, the demand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'd imagine that uh, then it, it must be their top end season ticket holders that are trying to, to acclimate and I guess ex essentially explore something new. They would they would come to the facility from the rendering that looks like it's going to end up connecting to to the stadium so it's going to be essentially it's going to be a cool addition to to tdcu stadium because it looks like it connects directly from uh honestly where the how they describe it like the outdoor field where players can walk through yeah um and then i'm guessing at the top there's also going to be additional seating from from what the renderings look like so i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna hate it, it, it the designs do look cool um, as for the parking aspect about it, uh, <laughs> I laughed where he said that, yes, during the, the rest of the week, that, that strip right there that's used for parking uh, will obviously be removed, and they'd find ways to mitigate that, which it's interesting. I, maybe that's why they're building all those parking garages across uh, campus, which are more expensive than the open, open roof, uh, open parking spaces, at least from when I was there, but... Uh, I get like that. Like the final, the final, the final slide says it all. We we are Big Twelve. And let me pull it up. See if I can pull this up as as a still. Well, go. What what did you what did you think about what you saw slash heard? Yeah, I'm confused. I thought I had confusion, honestly. Um, and I will tell you why. I hate to be that guy, but he said he showed the square footage, hundred thousand, hundred five, and the delineation, the breakdown. And then he said, yeah, this other will, when we bring an architect team on board, I'm like, they don't have an architect team yet. And then he showed renderings. Like, <laughs> well, wait a minute. I thought you just said you didn't have an architect team on right. board. Great point. 
Uh, I, I, after that, I kind of I listened, but after that, I kind of was like, "Wait, wait a minute, that's uh, I, I, I was stuck on that. I was stuck on that." Yeah, let me see. If, let me see if I can just add it, add a picture of it, because you know, as we're in our infancy here on Folks Talk Sports, we're trying new new technology as, as well. So let me see here. Here is one part of it. Okay, and see this. Is the new part right here, Andy, right? Mm-hmm. This would be the new construction, Scott Street right here. So that's where the, um, what train track is basically right there on Scott. Right. So this is the current, well, this is the current indoor football facility where the indoor football field is. Okay. And this will be where the new building is with office, offices, meeting room, weight room, et cetera, right here. Mm-hmm. And this part right here, I think, is where will be the suites. Where, so yeah, right here, up top, correct. right there, yeah. So, might have some indoor opportunities in there too. So you know, it, it looks good, and like Will says, I'm I'm with Will. You got renderings, you got drawings. So somebody's been talked to about this, right? So <laughs> yeah, you know, so it looks like something's been in the works there to get this far. Well, even Chris Bedman himself said it. it's a three-year. It's been a three-year process since uh, since Dana Holgerson first got signed. Right. So I, I think they talked to somebody already about drawings and plans and things like that. Now the final clip finance, because toward the end of it was was uh, mentioned that they have going to discuss the financing part of it. And the first person you'll see is board member. John McCall Jr. And then you'll see Mr. Bartlett again go into a little bit more de- uh, details about the money. And y'all are smart. Y'all know me. I think y'all have probably noticed or recognized what comment catches my ear. And let's see if, if y'all can figure it out based on this. The first person speaking you'll hear and see is board member John McCall Jr. Was requested to delegate authority to the chancellor to negotiate and execute contracts for the design and construction of a new football operations building, uh, University of Houston. Mr. Barlett? Yes, sir. This is a uh, companion to the uh, agenda item we discussed in facilities uh, committee earlier. Uh, again, approximately 100,000 square foot uh, facility. Uh, it, it has a budget of $75 million financed with. Uh, with gifts, um, if, if on that, you can see right there the breakdown of the 75 million in terms of uh, where the costs will lie, most of course during uh, for construction as well as A and E fees. Um, the proposed schedule: uh, we would begin, uh, or excuse me, complete design in sum, summer of 23, and there, and then move forward with uh, construction, with completion expected in the winter of 2024. Happy to answer any questions in a second. Any further questions from the board? May I hear a motion to approve this item as presented? So moved. Second? All in favor? Aye. Opposed? This item is hereby approved. <laughs> okay, so what, Will, what, what caught your ear? Financed with gifts. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> 75 million financed with gifts. Yeah. Andy? What kind of gifts? <laughs> Donation? <laughs> what are we talking about? There we go. Finance with gifts. Who are these folks who have this kind of money that just gifts? But I think, how long ago was it where Chris Pesman said, when he was discussing the plans for the football, new football facility, that there was a a major contribution that would be announced once, I guess, once this meeting took place with the Board of Regents. So I guess that'll be like, what's the term? The the Kickstarter, basically. That major don- donation will be the kickoff for this. So must be one hell of a gift, mm. Mr. Gibson. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much that gift is. I'm not really concerned about where the gift is coming from, but yes, gifts. $75 million toward for the payment of the construction of the new football facility from gifts. 
Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll love to receive that gift. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> we uh, we need gifts like that here at Folks Talking Sports. Definitely. And and meanwhile, um, buildings on campus like Agnes Arnold and other buildings are dilapidated and run down and old and old as, older than me and in dire need of renovations. But I just tossed it out there for further conversation. So yes, perhaps other gifts can go toward renovations of those old buildings. But that's just another point for another time. And it kind of like he snuck him in. Like he almost didn't want to say it. He was like, yeah, finance with gifts. And then he yeah. <laughs> immediately went on to his next point. Like, <laughs> yep. Wow. So we're talking about that because in the news, and it's going to lead into the next part of the conversation. But yes, Rocket fans, we know Rockets are playing Orlando in a battle for ping pong balls uh, tonight in Orlando. Rockets are trailing Orlando at halftime. 58-51 after leading at the end of the first quarter by, I think, six points. So, got 24 games left in the Rockets regular season. Rockets season, excuse me. Just your thoughts real quick. Do y'all think the Rockets are, and my man, uh, D-Skills Ace Town, did you, and before I get to it, did you have a chance to see the, the pictures, the, the renderings, D-Skills from the stadium and where it's going to go? Because if not, I can, I think I can pull back those I could freeze the video and so you can see it if you missed it. But yeah, Rockets last 24 games. Priorities to win, develop and lose and get king, and get as many ping pong balls as possible. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you, you want to definitely get as many ping pong balls as possible because winning what at this point? I mean, you don't want to outwardly say you're going to tank. But what benefit do you have to win at this point? Andy? No, yeah, for sure. The remaining uh, portion of the schedule, what you want to see is you want to see improvement from Jalen Green, more consistency from Jalen Green. Uh, Alfred Shingun obviously has to, to close out the season good from Christopher Tate, all those kinds of players. And if, they're, if they manage to win games, that doesn't really matter. You just want to see improvement from those guys. Oh, Andy, it matters if they win games. Mm-hmm. If they win too many games, yeah, it matters a lot <laughs> because this mm-hmm. draft right now is is right now is not considered deep enough to pass five. Yep. Honestly, you know, you got questions past three. You know, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and Paula Bancaro. After that, currently the consensus is everybody's pretty much the same. Just throwing it up. Yeah, there's there's not an elite talent past three, but you know. The draft is in June, so based on who comes out, that things may change. But uh comment here, and we'll get more into Now we're going to do some Big 12, Mr. Gibson talk. Rockets need to lose every game but show progress in the first three quarters. Well, they did well in the first quarter tonight, so maybe they're going to do reverse. Show progress in the first quarter and then stink the second through fourth quarters and, and get the most important L going forward and get those ping pong balls. Unlike Detroit last night, who, you know, Mr. Gibson. Uh, we doing that? we doing that. So okay. They decided to win a yeah. home game and beat yeah. Cleveland. Andy, you know that Detroit beat Cleveland last night? You know, that team that, that Will Gibson covers, Cleveland? Yeah. That, me and you, Will. Me and you, Andy. Man. Detroit Detroit beat Cleveland. You know, my Pistons beat his Cavaliers. I'm just saying that right between me and you. Me and you in the audience. Ooh, you know, Andy. Well. So I'm just saying yeah. that. I, but anyway. And I think that's the second time Detroit beat Cleveland, right, Will? Isn't it? It is. It yeah, is. Okay. But, you know, that's two, two losses Detroit should not have gotten because they need to get ping pong balls as well. But, okay. Big 12. Going to pull it up. Well, no. First, let me do a segment. Going to keep it on screen. You know, got to pay that bill. Make folks happy. Make us happy because of sponsorship. And that's the important thing. Because, once again, Steve Saxenian was kind enough to support us. I want to. Something we don't do going to salute the UH swimming and diving team. Will. Yes. I don't know what the term is. What is it? If you win six straight championships, is that a double three-peat? Is that a septuple-peat? Yeah. Whatever it is, UH did it. They won six straight American Athletic Conference championships, and this one, they won by half a point. They scored 800 66.5 points to SMU's 
866 points. But it doesn't matter how big your margin, as long as you get the dub. So first-year coach Tanika Jameson was named the Americans Women's Swimming Coach of the Year. Diving coach Bob Gunter was selected as the Women's Diving Coach of the Year. And Mary Catherine, you know, our family's Catholic, Mary Catherine Jurica, Jurica, J-U-R-I-C-A, Mary Catherine, if I'm not pronouncing your name wrong, my apologies, was named the league's freshman of the year. So salute to the Houston Cougars swimming and diving team for winning their sixth straight American Athletic Conference championship. So that segment brought to you by Steve Saxenian and the Saxenian family. Now we're going to talk some, it's a big 12. Andy? Will? Yes. Bob Bowlesby, and I hope he's making the rounds uh, for the new members. Last week, he visited BYU. First time visiting BYU since uh, BYU was announced as a new member of the Big 12. And Commissioner Bowlesby, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, spoke with, did an interview with BYU TV. And so for the, what? Ill-informed people that say, what does BYU bring in terms of eyeballs? BYU TV Mormons are all over the world. They bring millions of eyeballs. So, but during his interview with BYU TV, well, I think some of the stuff is going to catch your eye. Because my apologies, I sent it to Andy. I think I sent it to James. To James, I think James Mueller is at UH for the baseball game between the Cougs and TSU. So that's why he's not here right right now joining us to discuss baseball, which we know is not one of my favorite sports. But I digress on that. <laughs> but I, my apologies for not sending you this, this article that I'm going to reference from Kevin Reynolds and the Salt Lake City Tribune. Co- Commissioner Bowlesby expects the Big 12 to have 14 members, Will. Oh. 14 members in 2023. D-Skills H-Town, 14 members. You know what that means? That includes Texas and Oklahoma. Okay, that's in 2023. That means football is going to probably have a round-robin schedule, breaking into divisions for football, not necessarily for basketball. Kind of curious about that. <clears throat> but the athletic directors from each member school will get together this summer to vote on having divisions and whose divisions, what the names of those divisions will be. So right there, what are your thoughts on that? The names of the divisions or just uh, or add all of the it. total? All Texas of it. and Oklahoma being members in 23 rather than paying $75 million each to get out early? Any of that? Yeah, I mean, I think Texas and Oklahoma probably are like, why? Why would I spend that money? They're, they're going to make the money regardless. So they're, you know, we'll be there when we get there. It's probably their mindset. So. I'm just reading this. <laughs> I, I love that. I would wow. love that. That'd be a guaranteed sellout for, for sure. It might be one of the few times TDECU is, is filled with people if the Longhorns play the Cougs at the stadium. But Andy, yeah. what are your thoughts on, on that? Division for Big 12, 14 members in 2023. No, I love it. And I had one of the other things that come my from that article is that apparently they're going to they're gonna announce their conference schedule in October of this year, which is... You're the- jumping the gun, Andy. You're stealing some of my thunder, man. I'm going to be a teaser for Will Gibson. Uh-oh. Well, I just ruined it for Will, but that, that's exciting. And especially, yeah. like I said, if you can get UT and OU to stay, uh, especially uh, barring... Uh, it brought up a lot of legal uh, possible repercussions, which would keep UT and, and OU still being in the Big 12 when Houston and, and UCF and Cincinnati, along with BYU, join the conference. <clears throat> I think it's amazing, like you said, if they can get UT to play Houston, that, that'd be awesome, those matches. But what, what, and I, I'm just going to throw this out there, what if they were to somehow put them in different divisions for football? As, as like a carrot to keep Texas happy, <laughs> maybe. But at that point, they'll leave anyway. I don't care about them being happy. You know, whatever. You're going to go where we, where we want you to go. We want you to play U of H, period. Um, that's me talking as a UVA alum. 
any Longhorn <laughs> hater, which I am, despite my parents, both of them going to Texas. But I digress on that too. Um, so $75 million is a lot of money. Could the TV people, ESPN, cut Longhorn? Well, probably the Sooners a, ch- a, ch- a check and say, we- maybe we'll cover you on this. Maybe UT and OU get a gift. Yeah, it's a gift. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Maybe some of their, their old money can, can people can give them a gift as well. But yes, Mr. Gibson, since Andy stole my thunder on that one, I was going to be a tease about, yes. Well, let's talk about that real quick about the plan is for the Big 12 to announce, release their 2023 football schedule this October. As opposed to, and that would have, I guess, Texas, Oklahoma on it. Which could be a similar scenario, well, not really similar because we know they're leaving and they gave notice to what the mess going on in Conference USA with Marshall, I think Odomi and the other school, the third school leaving for the Sun Belt. Marshall now suing Conference USA. You know, we're, no, we're, we're gone. We don't care that y'all put, <laughs> put us on the schedule. They released the schedule for this year, last week or whatever. Included Marshall, included the three departing members. And Marshall said, Oh, no, 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 no. We told y'all we were leaving. We're going to be in the Sun Belt. We're leaving July 1st. Y'all don't want to meet with us. Y'all don't want to pay, uh, pay our exit fees. Y'all don't, y'all don't want our money. So we're taking you to court. And they won one court case in, in the state of West Virginia. So the only folks that are going to be happy about this resolution will be the lawyers because at some point, Conference USA will realize they're fighting a lost battle. So it's a bad look. I mean, you know, you can say what you want. Yeah, it's not fair to the other schools in terms of scheduling, but the schools that you have still in the conference, some of them are leaving too. <laughs> so they, they don't care. They're like, whatever. We're gone. Like Bryce. Bryce is leaving for the American next year, basically, 2023, July 1st. That's their goal because Michael Resco wants those six schools to help replace UH, UCF, and Cincinnati. So Commissioner Resco, he's like, yeah, let's work it out. We're going to do better than Conference USA. But just your whole thoughts about the whole mess that is how Conference USA is handling this. Either one of y'all. Will, you first, whoever. Jump in there. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, like you said, it's almost like the, 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 <laughs> hey, to use this analogy, but the jilted boyfriend, like, I don't want you to leave. I'm going to do whatever it takes. It's like, no, she's gone. She's gone. Just take the L, keep it moving. It's like, and like you said, the only people who are going to be happy are the lawyers because you're, you're fighting a lost cause. At the end of the day, they don't want to be there. Right. So why try to make them stay where they don't want to be? This doesn't make sense. Andy? No, we'll we'll use the the perfect analogy like uh, the the messy divorce where uh, well one side's trying to keep keep the schools to stay longer and to force them to play the conference schedule. The other parties, uh, certainly Marshall, they're ready to to move on to future endeavors. I mean, like you said, it's going to be a long dragged out battle. That that honestly, for Conference USA, it's going to be an uphill battle. To at the end of the day, it's probably going to result in those schools leaving anyways, like as they planned. So. And the, the exit fees, the monetary compensation that the conference, conference USA wants from these three schools is not, not a huge amount. It might, they might spend as much money paying the lawyers <laughs> than they would get from, from the schools. Right. So that's on conference USA. And I got issues with them because I can't get them to respond to my email requests. For information, so I uh, whatever. So I'm once Rice leaves, come to USA. I'm gonna be saying peace to come to USA. So, <clears throat> but okay. Another aspect of Commissioner Bowlesby's interview with BYU TV, he says the conference is considering whether or not to go to an eight-game or nine-game conference schedule. Commissioner says, your thoughts on this will because. The Pac-12 people are hoping for an eight-game schedule. Yep. Big Ten's like, no, we're good with nine. Yep. But Bob Bowlesby says, quote, 
I think the quality of our conference is good enough to play nine games. That's a valuable thing for us. You want to minimize the number of no plays you have. End quote. Thoughts on that, Andy? Hmm. A nine-game conference schedule, especially if it's the first, well, especially the first few seasons when you'd imagine they'd have the the fourteen team, uh, the fourteen teams available. I certainly agree that they're going to be deep enough to be able to run a nine-conference schedule. But uh, I think, hmm, once UT and OU move on, would would it be deep enough to be able to run a nine-conference schedule? Uh, for football, I'm not entirely sure. I think for the first years, depending if OU and UT stay, I agree with it after, especially when, I mean, if they choose to still be in divisions, I'm not so sure. All right. Well, what do you say? Because we can uh, chop it up in a, in a second after you, after you comment on it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The nine games, I mean, I think it's with anything in college sports, it's, it's revenue. It's revenue. So, you know, I, I it happens here in, in the Big Ten, the nine-game schedule. Um, Big Ten has 14 teams, but that's another story. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's about a, a revenue piece. Does a 12-team league, can that sustain a nine-game conference schedule? Probably. They, they, can, they can make it work however they want it to work. But uh, I think it's, yeah, it, it, it'll work. It'll be fine. It'll be fine with 12. Yeah, Andy, because let's consider it just off the top of our heads. You got Baylor, Houston, Baylor, Cincinnati, Baylor, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas Tech, Baylor, BYU. You know, that's probably six right there. They, they can get three more conference games out of that. You know, UCF tossing there. I think they could, they could get nine good. Conference games, and then you know somebody's got to play Kansas in football. So you know, so Kansas is coming. Kansas is coming. Well, it's about time they need to. You know, yeah. it's it's time for football to do something instead of just carrying basketball bags. You know, um, I think they could do it. Andy, thoughts? I think I think it can be done, but it has to, especially for the. Well, BYU, for the most part, has been at a sustainable level when it comes to football-wise, but uh, well, Cincinnati still has to prove now that they're going to have, like, uh, Desmond Ritt is leaving, leaving. It's going to be interesting to see how Luke Bickle kind of uh, rebuilds the program, for lack of a better term, and then uh, Houston and UCF. Houston, for sure, it certainly has been at, at a low point for the last few years, barely barely showing progress that they're building up, and UCF has kind of taken a couple of steps back. So I think if you see that progress, that, that jump from those programs, I could see it happening. But like you said, I think there's got to be overall improvement overall for the conference to, to be a viable, strong nine-game conference schedule. You're just being a, a down downer. No, and uh, to, to that point, uh, Kansas and Houston, one of those one of those schools are going to have a chance to make a message this season. When when is that game? The Kansas UH game. Uh, let me see if I got it in notes somewhere in one of these. Uh, here we go. It is September seventeenth in Houston. In Houston, yes. Ooh, yeah, okay. Andy, you forget UH beat Auburn. <laughs> Auburn, SEC, Auburn, middle average team, but you know, still it's an SEC team. Andy, come on, Andy. Didn't, didn't like half their team enter the transfer portal? Oh, well, you know, yeah, you know, you get into semantics. <laughs> Will, come on now. It's an SEC team, Will. Yeah, okay. UH, uh, who didn't UH? They didn't have, uh, Marcus Jones and. And they were, they were without, uh, uh, defensive lineman to the big, you know. Was him. it Logan Hall? Yeah, Logan Hall. He didn't play. So yeah, you know, they were missing two guys, two key guys too, Will. You know, wasn't like five or six, but still. Mm. All right. A little bit more info. Here on Folks Talking Sports from Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. The Big 12's media contract with Fox and ESPN runs through the 2024-25 season. This summer, the conference will start planning ahead to see where it will lend its future media rights. Lend the rights. That's funny. that's, That's interesting. Turn the phrase there by Kevin Reynolds of the <laughs> yeah. Salt Lake City Tribune. 
But Commissioner Bowlesby indicated the conference is open to leaving Fox and ESPN for a different company. The Big 12 won't box itself into only linear networks. Well, that's the right now because Big 12 on ESPN Plus. But anyway, it is also looking at streaming options as the media landscape changes. Well, ESPN Plus, Big 12 on ESPN Plus. The Big 12 was the first conference to put over 100 of its games on a streaming platform. And Andy, you have, you and I know how much better the Big 12 promotes its streaming channel compared to the American and won't be an issue once U of H is in the Big 12. So look forward to that day, July 1st, 2023, when we can go to, what is it, five different categories on the Big 12 network. You got on-demand, original programming, games, and two others. So, <coughs> so much better than the American. American has like two. You know, no original programming and games. That's about, about it. Yeah, but, I think uh, the American only has upcoming and, and on-demand. Yeah, something like that. Commissioner Bowlesby sees value in streaming football and live sports on traditional cable channels. Football generates about 80% of the revenue for the Big 12. Quote from Commissioner Bowlesby, owning live sports is a good thing. Linear channels are always going to be valuable. They just fit differently than they have in the past. We'll welcome a group of suitors out there, and I think we will do well when it's time to go to auction. So that's the reason for not going, just being beholden to ESPN and Fox. Want to open it up to maybe NBC, CBS, uh, the streaming platform, they hope like Amazon or somebody mm -hmm. else to get in a mix for money, which is another reason why I'm convinced that the, the big five conferences, well, Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC, and presidents, are cool with, they're okay with waiting for this current CFP deal to expire because they want it to go out to the open market. More bidders, more money. Not just ESPN bidding on it. That makes sense to me. So, but yeah, Andy, your thoughts on that? The future Big 12 deal, possibly leaving ESPN and Fox to go somewhere else for the content providing their member schools. I think that streaming comment honestly might be a foreshadow, especially uh, not just the Big 12, but overall where you see, uh, I think, even with the NFL, like uh, they're going to start streaming uh, Thursday Night Football on Amazon. Uh, that's going to be something that a lot of these entities, the different, different <laughs> conferences, not companies, different conferences, different sports leagues are, are looking to do, uh, especially with so many streaming platforms that are available. I think it's, it's certainly it's wise to keep your... To, to keep the door open for all these platforms. I mean, there's so many different, I'm sure they could, they could get one that'll give them a significant amount of money to, to stream, a uh, significant portion of, especially whether it be conference games, uh, not just in football, but on, on the other sports too. I think that's going to be something that's going to be more common in the next few years. Common. Agreed. It's going to be more common in Rockets have tied up Orlando at 74 halfway through the third quarter. So somebody's got to win this game. Ping pong balls are on the line here. <laughs> team with the third best record going against team with the worst record. But, uh, Will, I think you sent it to me. I, I read it as well. NBC, right? It was NBC, NBC yeah. Sports. Yep. Was, uh, rumored to be in discussion for the Big, Big Ten, right? It is. Yep. One billion dollars. Uh, How much? One billion dollars. Hear that, Andy? One billion dollars. Big Ten's contract comes up first. Yep. Right, Will? It does. I think Big Ten is first. Uh, who's next? I know ACC's last. I know that. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Like yeah. 2036. 32, 36. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Bless them. I don't know why they agreed to that deal. But uh, Big Ten. It's SEC. Is it, I don't, it's either SEC or Big 12 and then Pac-12. Pac-12 is 2024. Yeah. They're after the big boys, the yeah. bigger boys, you know, yeah. Big 10, SEC. But we know that the SEC is going to go to ESPN. 
So they're leaving CBS and they're getting that 300 million, right? Per year, yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But NBC Sports, Andy, could you see, Will, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts? Could you see the Big Ten leaving Fox and ESPN for NBC? I, I can, and it's a precursor to add Notre Dame to the Big Ten, is what it is, because Notre Dame will still be on eight, on uh, NBC. And with the Big Ten joining there, it's kind of a carrot dangled out there to say, hey, come on with us. You know, we'll, we'll add another team to get to 16. So. Well, you're, you're kind of pouring water on, on the ACC's dreams, man. All right. One of the reasons the ACC's did what they did with the pouring water on the expansion was because they believe they hope they want Notre Dame to join them. Yeah, that's well. well I, I used to want to marry Janet Jackson too. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, well, you know. you're, 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 you're breaking some folks' hearts there over in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But the, Andy's comment is, is legit, it's accurate. Streaming platforms is a wave of the future slash current to present. Mm-hmm. But linear programming is still more available than streaming platforms. You know, Super Bowl is still on linear TV. Still gets massive ratings. Streaming is good. Netflix is good. All that kind of stuff. ESPN Plus, et cetera. But the numbers just aren't, aren't the same yet. There's still more, more eyeballs on linear TV than streaming platforms. Andy, do you think your generation will flip flop that going forward and it'll be more people watching streaming than on linear TV? I could see that happening, especially uh, just with, again, like there's literally every, most outlets that have their own streaming service where you talk about NBC, they have Peacock. You mentioned CBS, they have uh, Paramount Plus. Uh, Fox doesn't have one yet. Obviously, of course, ESPN has ESPN Plus. Uh, I, honestly, I think that's just the way um, that, that's going to be more common, especially as the years move forward, uh, barring anything uh catastrophic happening but uh, i digress um, when it comes to streaming platforms uh it's so much more convenient for people in my generation because literally it doesn't matter where they are as long as they have connection to, to the internet they can pull it up on their phone they can watch the game on their phone and it can be much more easier where the all linear channels again they're, they're kind of evolving with with the change as well i see it that's why i see it to be more common true i agree with that but technology has to catch up because the bandwidth has to be there. I'll get D-Skills Ace Chime, Mr. Technology himself, to chime in on this also. Because you got to have, if, if you have 50 million people watching a streaming platform, it's going to crash. You know, right now. Linear TV can handle that. You know, Fox, ABC, NBC, Super Bowls. At some point in the future, probably more likely in Andy's lifetime as he gets older in his 50s and 60s, maybe a little sooner. I, I don't see the big game going to, to a streaming platform. Hmm. I see it staying on a, a linear platform because as, as I said, and these skills, you know, you got to have more broadband all over the place because I mean, heck, one of the issues and you know, complaints from people in rural areas regarding ESPN Plus is they can't get it. They can't watch it, you know, in those country towns where there's not internet access or at least a strong signal. So that's got to improve. Technology has to adapt to that, you know, evolve in that. And this is also true. In neighborhoods in Houston that cannot get high-speed internet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of those, many of those are in the hood, you know, in ghettos. Then you go further out, it's also an issue. So I think it's inevitable, but technology has to catch up with it. So we'll see how that happens, where the money goes. Talking about these future contracts, I was listening to um, Mark Stein 
NBA writer, beat writer, covers the league now. He's covered the Mavericks. Mentioned during his podcast that he's heard rumblings, and check this out. He's heard rumblings. The current Will and mm-hmm. B-Skills audience, those watching on Twitter, on Folk Talk Sports, the current NBA TV deal, media rights deal, excuse me, media rights deal, is nine years, $24 billion. Mark Stein mentioned, because it's not, media rights is not his area of expertise, but he said he's heard that discussions, conversations for the next NBA deal are around doubling that. Mm. Doubling the $24 billion for the next deal. One outlet or two, and even Mark didn't agree to this, it's a possibility, even tripling that. Mm. So instead of $24 billion, looking at 50 to $70 billion in the next NBA deal. Think about that. That, and see, this was my reaction. Double, yes, double. That's despite the fact that ratings aren't great on linear TV here in America. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's be real about that because, you know, football is king here in America. But the fact that doubling that is being considered a possibility for the next media rights deal for the NBA, it, it's never going to be the NFL here in America. No. But it's still live sports. And live sports is content that people don't zip through the commercials. Advertisers love that. That's what love by live sports. So can you imagine doubling that? Owners like Jim and Fertitta got to be just grinning from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. Players too, because that's going to be a boost in the salary cap. Yeah. But just imagine 20, from 24 billion to potentially 50 billion dollars on, let's say, an eight or nine year deal. Fifty billion dollars. Yep. Thoughts on that, Andy? And that still might have a, a obviously a streaming component, but it's still going to be linear TV, Turner Sports. They may go elsewhere. They may try to get Fox involved, or or may go back to NBC. So, more bidders you have, puts up the money. But let's, let's talk on that. Andy and Will, we got, we're going to wrap it up here, uh, next few minutes, try to get out here, top of the hour, so I can get ready for the end of the Rockets game and prepare for post game. You no, know, yeah. Chris, like you, like you said at the beginning of, of the show, uh, what, what is king content is king. And like you mentioned, especially when, when regards to live sports, the NBA, especially, I guess this really wouldn't affect much, um, in terms of TV contracts, but ju- just the, even though if the, the linear ratings are down, just the overall engagement that, that just the sport itself of the NBA gets, whether it be on social media, it has become a lot more of a global game. And like you mentioned, because of that live component, especially for, for teams in big markets that have good teams, they're going to have a lot more people tuning in. And like you said, they're not going to be, you can't uh, skip through commercials during the live game. And that's certainly what makes it more attractive. And as the game continues to expand, continues to get more eyeballs, whether it be overseas and nationally with the, with the younger generation, it certainly seems like the NBA had that connection with the, it's kind of become more of a, of a pop culture, honestly, more than the actual diehard, uh, basketball fans, in my opinion. And uh, I think that's contributed. Well, what do you think about that? As well as a comment on the screen about sports really is the only content that attracts numbers from all demographics that's true I, I was reading that and and you you go back and i kind of tie both of those in andy's andy's comment as well as the uh the skills uh last week nba all-star game you show celebrity role now you show celebrity role at an nfl game it's a rod and j-lo it's Shaq, it's lebron steph curry it's roger goodell and uh a fortune 500 ceo but you go to the NBA All-Star game, it was Fat Joe, Wheezy, uh, uh, Kiss, uh, who else? I mean, it was, uh. Bunch of internet stars. Yeah, uh, uh internet stars, uh, Migos, you know, Luda, Migos. I haven't seen Luda in forever. Yeah, yeah, okay. DJ Khaled, Mary yeah. J. Blige, oh, Magic, Jordan, yeah, but, so, it, it, you it, it brings in all demographics. So 
with that double, I think that's actually when I heard that, I kind of was taken aback. Like, wow, double? That might be a little conservative. That might be a little conservative. It might be approaching that triple. Who do you think would it stay on Turner? Could you see it go back to NBC? Could well, let's let's combine it because if NBC bids for the Big Ten, yep, and I mean. And well, that's just football, right? Big Ten football. That's not. It is. Okay, that's just just Big Ten football for a billion dollars. So that's their yep. Saturday. So NBC would have enough for uh, NBA basketball. Yeah, that's only a billion. We, we're talking about what? Fifty billion. <laughs> Fifty. Yeah. So over nine years, that's what about six, six a year, a little under yeah, six, five and a half. Yeah, five mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah, five and a half. You know. Five and a half to six. If you go a little higher, if it gets right. triple that, just you know, don't, you know, you know, add more gifts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get that, get that gift from. Uh, I'm sure D Skills Ace Town. Have you got your refund back for your deposit? Your seventy five dollars uh, money deposit you put on football, D Skills. <laughs> what are you gonna say, Andy? No, I was going to say, and, and I also think that they would make it uh, lucrative, especially like we mentioned uh, in the topic in terms of a streaming platform. Say the NBA looks at other outlets, whether if they choose to move away from Turner and, and going back to, to you know, NBC or, or some of these other outlets. First, they're, they're making a bidding war because, like I said, the NBA gets so much exposure, but then that other component of, of owning that content is probably going to be uh, – it's got to be lucrative or, or attractive to those companies itself, just being able to have those rights of those. Um, we, like you mentioned, going back to Turner, like every Thursday, occasionally Tuesday, you know that at 7 o'clock there's going to be some NBA game on TNT. And Well, I think they finally learned this season to stop going head-to-head on Thursdays during football season against the NFL. So they, they moved that to Tuesdays and then not have Thursday games until NFL season regular season was over so they learned that so go ahead andy <laughs> i don't know but even then uh, going to espn like on fridays usually there's a game on on espn or wednesday one of those days especially as you know once football season ends and and the super bowl in the rearview mirror becomes much more uh, nba centered uh i think that that in itself has got to be attractive to, to these um different companies with whatever they're trying to to, to just have that content and have that exposure on their platforms as we wrap it up here, going to close out one more time. Chris Gardner, I'm Chris Gardner with Willie Gibson and Andy Yanez. Saturday, Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. inside the Petita Center. Andy, will you be here? Be there for U of H's SMU women's basketball. Senior day for U of H seniors. They're going to recognize and honor five seniors. Erica Sidney, Fatou Dion, Brittany Anije, Julia Blackshell. Fair and Diamond Gladney. He raises at 500, 13, 13 overall, six and eight in conference. SMU is, I think, six and five, maybe, whatever. Not quite. They're behind you, Vates, in the standings. Well, you're going to be there, Andy. But your man, our man, Deion, Deion Dunlap is going to be on the call with ESPN Matt Peterson. Plus. Game's going to be on ESPN Plus, 2 p.m. tip off. Central time, Mr. Gibson, 2 p.m. Central time. Yes, sir. ESPN Plus. But also in the notes, it says, Radio, the Varsity Network. The Varsity Network, that's an app. Nice. You can see that. Andy, we talked about how they don't promote it and market it enough, but the Lonnie King will be on the call for the Varsity Network calling the game for UH SMU women's hoops. And then Sunday morning, yes, well, Sunday, well, for you, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. But 11.30 a.m. Central Time for us, Sunday morning, UH and SMU men's hoops inside Fertitta Center. Be Houston's first of three games in five days. Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, homestand. But four games in eight days. In eight days. Because the, to make sure to point that out. Made a, made a point to tell me, I was just focusing on the, the home games, but Coach wanted us to know they wrap up the season with four games in eight days. Light Sunday, work. Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday for those student assets. Do what you got to do. Student assets. Get your rest. Speaking of that, can I say yes, something sir. real quick? Please do. Yes, sir. Shout out to the Ohio State men's basketball team beat Illinois last night, 86-83. That was game six of an 11-day, or I'm sorry, 11-game 
in 29-day stretch. 11 uh, games in 29 days. Student assets put in at work. Good thing, too bad they're not employees. But anyway, I digress on that too. I'm so sorry for that comment. But yes, no, I'm not. Because <laughs> that's who I am. But as we wrap it up here, oh yeah, Will. Yeah. Sunday, ESPN, the game will be on ESPN. So you okay. get a chance to see one more time the gray seats. Because right. I'd be kind of curious to see how many people show up for the game. Houston, SMU. SMU has one of the, in Coach Sampson's eyes, the best player in the conference in point guard, Kendrick Davis from Houston, by the way, from H-Town. Uh, but yes, should be a great game. Top two teams in the conference. First place, U of H. Second place, SMU. Mr. Yanez, who you got? I got Houston. Uh, I got Houston. Honestly, I got Houston in both, uh, both teams <laughs> getting a clean sweep over the weekend. And I think, uh, especially on the men's side, I think after what happened in Dallas, they're going to be a lot more motivated, but I do, I do expect it to be a good game. And, uh, like, like Kelvin Sampson said, they're going to make adjustments that, um, he didn't want to clarify to reporters, but obviously they're going to be much more key in. And even then in that game against SMU, they showed that they were able to build up a lead. And it was just the second half where honestly SMU caught fire. So they're going to make adjustments. I feel that if the Cougars have the edge over them on Sunday. And a key was stay out of foul trouble. Kyler Edwards got in foul trouble the first matchup against SMU on the road. Houston was up 13 when he got his fourth foul. Four minutes later, they were up, they were up four. <laughs> so him staying out of foul trouble, the guards staying out of foul trouble will be key Sunday. Andy, for sure. The three game home things, I think we'll have a show before the season finale on the road at, at Memphis on Sunday, would that be the sixth? On CBS. So three game homestand. Three game homestand. Will Houston go undefeated? Ooh. Dang, that's a Ooh. Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. On the, the on the homestand or on the homestand. On the homestand. On the homestand. Home uh I'll say I'll say yes. I think I'll think we'll go three and but I think I think it's certainly going to be tough, challenging games. Because um, that'll be I, I SMU Sunday, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Tuesday, the makeup game, and then Temple, and Temple. on and Temple, Thursday. Temple gave Memphis uh, a hard time for most of that game yesterday before uh, the Tigers were able to pull them late. All right, let's wrap it up here on Folks Talk of Sports. Willie Gibson, how can yes, folks sir. find you on social media? Thank you, sir. You can find me on Twitter as well as Instagram at WillGibson7. Also on uh, Facebook at WillKnows. Mr. Yanez, how can folks find you on social media? On Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. That's all my social media I promote. That's where I'm, that's where I'm mostly on. All right. And I'm Chris Gardner, KG of the Houston Round Bar Review. Once again, follow the show, become a follower on Twitter of Folks Talking Sports at Folks Talk Sports and you'll get info on our next scheduled show. Hope you enjoyed the little clips from the UH Systems uh, Board of Regents meeting approving the football facility. Going forward, construction will begin next summer, roughly 2023 with completion in the winter of 2024. 100,000 square feet, $75 million dollars Funded by gifts. <laughs> we well, we have a semi UH related news. Okay, what's it? Quentin Grimes just left uh, the Knicks game with an injury, and I. So according to to Google, so the injury is a sub. Uh, I don't even know how to say it, a subluxation of the right patella. Ooh, dislocated which, kneecap. Yeah, dislocated kneecap. Exactly, it is yep. a dislocated kneecap, according to to. Google and to you guys confirm, so he will not return to the game for the Knicks. So hopefully that's not too severe. But since the Knicks and Kimba have already agreed to sit Kimba Man. down for, for the rest of the season. <laughs> okay, gifts. on that one. Sp- yeah. Speaking of gifts. That's a gift Man. there. Kimba's getting a gift. Coach Wall John getting, Wall a gift. getting a gift. Uh, Goran Dragic's gift is up now. Now he signed, got waived from the Spurs, and, and now he's going to go to Brooklyn. So, but gifts, gifts all around. So folks out there, give us gifts. Become a sponsor and supporter of Folks Talking Sports on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Become a sponsor. Reach out to us because we have 
trust me, I'm going to talk to the fellas off the air about it. we have plans going forward. But thank you as always. And we'll manifest live show. In yes. person, live show. Oh, yeah. We got Speak it. Speak it into existence. Speak it into yes. existence. Sponsors will make it happen going forward. Thank you as always, These Kills Ace Town, for your support and your comments. You can also catch the audio of this show on the podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts and others. Uh, Spotify is still there as well. So, yes, video here on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, audio on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter to find out when our next show will be. I'm Chris Gardner of Houston Round Bar View. Been around since 1994. That's the Houston Round Bar View. I'm old as dirt. I'll be 50 on March 14th. So more than double Mr. John's age. But yes, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Take care.